Good morning. It's great to see you all this morning. Let's begin our service by singing together. Let's stand. He is exalted, the King is exalted on high. I will praise Him. He is exalted forever, exalted and I will praise Him.
Amen. Welcome to Alberta Baptist Church this morning. We have so many guests, and I just wanted to, if you were here and you were from uh, a, a, a former church where Larry pastored, would you would you stand up if you're here to support him in that way? Praise God. Yeah, and family. We've got family here. Amen. Amen. Wow, what a what an exciting day. This this really is. I I told um, I told Larry this just a minute ago, but last night we were, my family, we were praying, and my kids just love Larry and Brenda. They, they do. They just, they, Lucy thinks Larry's the coolest guy in the world, and, and she loves Brenda's gum, and uh, <laughs> gets it from her every time, but man, we, we were just praying for, for you guys, and, and uh, Catherine prayed something I thought was just so, so wonderful. She prayed that God would give us the grace to uh, finish our ministry as you guys have. And uh, you're certainly not done, um, but but with this this season of pastoral ministry, just what a what a gift. And um, so before I, before I read, we're going to read out of Hebrews 13. Before before I do that, if you're a guest with us today, and this is, this would be for all of you who are who are visiting because of the event and everything, um, all of you. If you're a guest with us, would you take your the the bulletin? or the inside of your worship guide, and fill out that tab, and just drop it in the offering plate at the end of the service, just so we can really see that you were here, and, and know where you came from, and celebrate, uh, really, not only what the Lord has done in bringing you here today, but also just so many of you that, that Larry and Brenda have uh, invested in through, through their time of ministry, so thank you for doing that. That being said, let's look at Hebrews 13 as we, re- as we read God's word there in verse 7. This is the word of God. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Let's pray. Father, we we thank you today that we can do that. As we look to Larry and Brenda. Lord, we, we can consider their way of living, their, the way they have lived, uh, in, in so many ways, a life that was 
certainly not without sin that, that has them blameless. No reason to question their faith in you, the calling, uh, the calling that you have placed on their life. And so, God, we, we thank you that we uh, have a leader today that we celebrate, that we can imitate his way of life. Lord, we pray that today would be special and be spirit-filled and that Christ would be greatly lifted up as we celebrate the work that he is doing here at Alberta Baptist Church. Lord, we love you. We thank you for Jesus. We pray these things in his name. Amen. Mary and Brenda are known for singing together, and so we wanted this to be a special time for us, too, to get to hear you all sing uh, one of the favorite songs that they do sing. This is a Choir Carson song, and some of you young folks may not be familiar with it, or what Beulah Land means, it's Hyla's Sweet Beulah Land, and won't go into all the biblical connection, but it's just, Beulah Land's a term associated with heaven, and the rest that we'll have there, and the future with the Lord, Sweet Beulah Land.
Well, today our, our ministry minute is one that is quite special. It's the ministry minute will be Larry's lifetime of vocational ministry. So I'm going to go ahead and tell you it's going to be more than a minute. So <laughs> get ready. Larry Quarter was born November 26 of 1949. Now everybody should do the math. So go ahead and figure out how old he is. He uh, made a public profession of faith January 5th. 1958. For that, we are grateful. He was baptized February 9th, 1958. The age of 17, he was the music leader at Eastern Hills Baptist Church, which was a mission of Alberta Baptist. In college, he was the minister of music at South Highlands Baptist Church, which there were some that I met from South Highlands. Raise your, raise your hand there. Look at that, from South Highlands Baptist. While in seminary, he was the minister of music at First Baptist Church, Frisco, Texas. He then was the minister of music and youth, First Baptist Church, Fort Valley, Georgia. And the minister of music and youth at First Baptist Church, Blakely, Georgia. It was right there at the end of that ministry that I was born. So there I, there I came. <laughs> So I just wanted to bring myself into there. So I'm here now, okay? <laughs> he was ordained to the gospel ministry in 1977 at First Baptist Church, Blakely, Georgia. He was the pastor at Calvary Baptist Church in Macon, Mississippi from 1982 to 1986. Was the pastor at Rocky Bayou Baptist Church in Niceville, Florida from 1986 to 2004. And our Rocky folks, where are you? Let's see, let's see. Look at that. They're here. Wow. It's awesome. And of course, the pastor at Alberta Baptist Church from 2004 till 2014. 47 years of vocational ministry. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to ask uh, Joey Hocutt. Pastor Brenda, come on up for a minute. In recognition of this uh, retirement, not, which is not really a retirement ever, I understand that. I want to say one thing. 
in all the years that you've been pastor, even here, but certainly all these other places, you've said a lot of things. You've talked a lot just by virtue of being a, a pastor. But let me say the one thing that I will remember the most about Larry. You've walked more than you talked. Folks here at Alberta Baptist Church would like to present you with a love offering that we have collected for you. And also, with this certificate, and I'll read it, presented to Larry and Brenda Quarter with love on his last Sunday as pastor of Alberta Baptist Church, October 26, 2014. Your Pied Pride Blues and two University of Alabama football tickets have been paid for the 2015 season by the grateful members of Alberta Baptist Church. Friendship means the world to us, and it will last forever. Thank you. Thank you so much. We are, we're very grateful for uh, your gift to us. And uh, we should have put a picture of uh, Bryant Denny up there and played Yay, Alabama. Thank you for that, too. And, and uh, we love you guys so much and look forward to being a part of the fellowship here. Uh, starting next Sunday. We'll be out there sitting where you are. We'll be uh, praying for and encouraging and cheering on Brother Keith and Brother Colby as they pastor uh, this church in the, in the next chapter of the history of Alberta Baptist Church. So uh, we'll still be serving and working together. And I'll say a few words about all the guests who have come when I get up to preach a little bit later. Thank you so much. just stay standing. We almost got some of you there. <laughs> we love Brother Larry and uh, some of the songs that we're singing today are his favorite songs. So they honor and glorify God and we praise God for that. Let's sing together Amazing Grace. Say 
time I come into your presence, I stand in wonder once again. Your grace still amazes me. Your love is a Amazes 
Thank you, choir, Robert and Jamie. Uh, great job on that song. One of my favorite songs. I love that about the amazing grace of our Lord. It does amaze us. Thank you for your presence here today. Uh, I am just so blessed to have had a chance to serve the Lord with so many different people. I tried to count up. I believe there are uh, people from nine different states uh, that have come back for this day today and two foreign countries Last night, uh, those from uh, who we had connections with through Rocky, being a military church, 
there were people that were in and moving to other places. Some retired in ISIL, some retired to other places. Some are still, uh, many are still working in their working years. One's a pastor in a church, and uh, uh, one couple that's here today are missionaries in Papua New Guinea. And, and so uh, another family works in Turkey, and they, they're here today. And so we, we've just been so blessed, and I am just so grateful for the people who have made an, such an effort to be here for this service. Families from as far away as Ohio and uh, in Louisiana and Mississippi and Kentucky and Tennessee and South Carolina, Florida and other parts of Alabama. What a blessing it is. And I want to thank those of you that are a part of my family, uh, extended family on this side, on this side who are here today, uh, friends from the community that are here today that we've known from different associations, and just thank you for your support, for your love that you have shown to us. And I do want to not only thank those that I've mentioned, but my family, our, our kids are here today, and Lauren and Kyle, and Lance and Laura and their children, and we're expecting another grandchild in March. We're so uh, grateful for the support that my family has shown me throughout our ministry, and Brenda, of course, has been a key vital part of that. She has been the best part of my ministry and, and has been a, a, a real encouragement to me. And I just can't say enough about what it means to have a wife who is there with you and going through the good times, the bad times, difficult times, the the great times, and, and so she's just been a real rock for me. I also want to thank today our staff here at Alberta. I, God has uh, given me the privilege of working with some great staff members. Uh, so, uh, several from, Stock, from Rocky are here also today. But, but our staff, um, they are so dedicated. They are so loyal. They are gifted. They're committed. They pour their life into the ministry of this church. And so I'm just so grateful that I've had the opportunity to work with so many outstanding people. And I appreciate all of my current staff and what they mean to me. And I look forward to being able to be an encouragement to them in the days ahead. Today we're going to be looking at the subject of the church. If you will, take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 16. As I thought about what would I preach on, I thought, well, what has my passion been for these 47 years of ministry? My passion has been for the church ministry to the church and through the church uh, to carry a, a, out God's redemptive message and to tell the world about Jesus Christ, but to try to build up and edify the church of Jesus Christ, me just being a part of that, uh, God has given gifts to, to every believer, and I just encourage every person to use the gifts that God has given you to, to help build and strengthen the church of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the builder of the church, and that's my subject today, the church built by Christ, built by Jesus. But he uses people. He uses us. And what a privilege it is that God has given us the opportunity to be used as tools in his hands to help build the church of Jesus Christ. And when I talk about building the church, I'm not talking about the bricks and mortar. I'm talking about building the people. The church is a people. And that we must always remember. The word church actually means, uh, it's the Greek word ekklesia that means assembly. It means the called out ones. We are called out to assemble together. We are assembled today for the purpose of worship and the proclamation of the word of God. 
and to be strengthened and edified and ready to go out and to take the message of Christ to those in the places where we live and work and carry on our activities in our daily life, as well as around the world as we give and are part of missions that helps take the gospel to the ends of the earth. The purpose of the church, of course, is to display God's glory, first of all, Ephesians 3, 20 and 21 tells us that. And then the purpose of the church also is to fulfill the mission of Christ. Matthew 28, uh, 18 through 20 tells us that we have been given the commission by Christ to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. I want to read our text today, which is about the church, beginning in verse 13. This is Peter's confession of Jesus Christ. You follow along as I read aloud. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, and others Elijah, but still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father who is in heaven. I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. Then he warned the disciples that they should tell no one that he was the Christ. And I said before that that last verse I read is the most obeyed verse in the entire Bible. We tend not to tell people about the Christ, who is the Son of the living God. But I stand before you today saying that we have a great Christ to serve. He has given us the opportunity to be a part of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, Bruce, you'll bring that forward. I was enjoying singing the song so much (coughs) that I didn't protect my voice. a little bit here, excuse me. As we look today at this text of scripture, we see that, uh, just make, let me make a few comments and we're going to zero in on the just a few phrases and you'll see the outline there in your bulletin. But notice this took place, this is a setting is, is in Caesarea Philippi, the district of Caesarea Philippi. If you look in the maps in the back of your Bible, and you find the area of Galilee, and then you look about 25 miles to the north, and you'll see a place, a district called Caesarea Philippi. And so Jesus was asking his disciples, who do people say that he is? And Jesus referred to himself as the Son of Man. Eighty times in the New Testament, Jesus is referred to as the Son of Man. Most of those times, he's making that statement himself. And that is a term that's used to refer to the deity of Christ. He is the son of God. He is the son of man. Jesus chose that 
entitled to identify with the, hum the humanness of people that he came to seek and to save those which are lost. And so they began to give some answers to the question. In verse 14, some said that he was John the Baptist. Because Jesus preached repentance, that was the very first message that he preached, then that was also the same message that John the Baptist preached. So some thought that John the Baptist had come back from the dead, and that's who Jesus was. And others thought that he was Elijah. Near the end of the Old Testament, in Malachi chapter 4, verse 5, the Bible tells us that before the Messiah comes, before the end judgment comes, that that uh, there is going to come, Elijah is going to come again before this coming back of the Messiah. Now, the Jews did not believe Jesus was the Messiah, and they were still expecting Elijah to come before the Messiah came back. And so, therefore, some of them began to think that Jesus was Elijah, who was going to be the forerunner of the Messiah, but they got it wrong, of course. And then others thought that Jesus was Jeremiah, or one of the prophets, because he preached a message of doom and judgment, same message he preached to the scribes and Pharisees, the religious leaders of his day. And so they began to associate and identify Jesus with the preaching of Jeremiah and also some of the other prophets. And so Jesus then asked a very pointed question. This question is a, is a question that every one of us has to answer for ourselves. And Jesus looked at them and he said, but who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? You know, what the church believes about Jesus is so important. And it, it will make a church effective and fruitful or not so. What we believe about Jesus. And Simon Peter, who was the spokesman for the disciples, here's what he said in verse 16. Simon Peter said, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah is what he was saying. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And when he made that statement, Jesus said, you nailed it. And he called him Simon Barjona. Look in verse 17. Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, or Simon, son of John. We know that in Matthew chapter 1, verse 42, it tells us that Simon was the son of John. So he says, he says blessed are you because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you but my Father who is in heaven. Now, there's a point here. What Jesus just said tells us that spiritual truth is revealed by God. We can do everything we can to try to convince people of the deity of Jesus Christ. We can go through the scriptures and give them all the reasons why we know that Jesus is God. But ultimately, God has to reveal that to a person and give them that spiritual understanding. You see, God has to open up the heart for even the hardest unbeliever to believe. The, the greatest skeptic or the, the, most, uh, the, the, the person that's an atheist and denies that there even is a God, God has to open their blind eyes. We, by our human reasoning, cannot convince people of truth. It has to come as a revelation by God to the human heart. And so Jesus is acknowledging that, and he's telling Peter that you didn't come up with this knowledge of who Jesus is by your own ingenuity, it was revealed to you by God the Father. And that is the way spiritual truth comes to us. It is revealed to us 
by God. And then, verse 18, which is the key verse that I want to focus in on today, he said, I also say to you that you are Peter. So Peter told who Jesus was, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus turns right back around and says, well, you're Peter. You're Peter, meaning Petros, is, his name means small stone. He said, you're a small stone. And then he says, in the next phrase, and upon this rock, and he used the word Petra, which means huge boulder, I will build my church. He says, Peter, you're just, you're a small, insignificant human being. But, when you, but now that you've come to an understanding of who Christ is, your faith and the object of your faith is a huge boulder. Jesus builds his church upon the truth of who he is. Fully God, who became man, so he was the God-man, never lost. He, he lost none of his deity. When he came to earth, he did not set aside his deity, but he set aside his privileges as the divine God. And he took upon himself the role of a servant, even a bond servant, a bond slave, the lowliest of the slaves. And so Jesus said, upon this rock, and you know, there's a lot of debate. I've read all the commentaries of different ones, what everybody says about this verse. And it's been a controversial scripture. You know, if we know the Bible in 1 Corinthians 10 tells us the rock is Christ. We know that in 1 Corinthians, the Bible says that Jesus is the foundation of the church. We know that in Ephesians 2, it says that Jesus is the cornerstone of the church. And that the apostles and prophets are the foundation of the church, or at least the, it, they laid it by their preaching and their teaching and giving the divine revelation that God had given the apostles. I think sometimes we overanalyze. I think basically what he's saying here is, he's saying, Peter, I'm going to build my church on people who confess Jesus Christ as the Christ, the Son of the living God. The church is, is comprised of a body of people who, by the Spirit, from the heart, confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, who believe that Christ is Lord and who submit their lives to him. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 3. That's the gist of that verse. That the body of Christ, the church is the body of Christ. It is the body, a body of people that who, who, confess, who can confess by the Spirit from the heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's what the church is made up of. It's also a body of people that are gifted differently by the same Spirit. And in 1 Corinthians 12, it also says that the church is the body, is a body with many parts. We are the body of Christ with many parts. So we are Christ to the world. The church is. We live in a day where it seems like it's with every generation, there is less and less interest in the church. And there are many people that just walk away from the church. They grow up in the church, and then at some point they just become disconnected with the church. It does not remain important in their lives. And I want to say to you today, the church is very, very important in our lives. Just think with me for a moment. The church is God's plan for evangelizing the world. The church is God's plan for growing Christians to maturity in Christ. 
The church is a people whom God has called to himself to display his glory, as I mentioned a moment ago, to display his life, to display his character, to display his power. And the church was important to Jesus himself. It was his idea. The church is not just an organization. The church is not a, just a social group of people. It's not just a religious group. The church is the body of Christ. We are his hands. We are his feet. We are his eyes. We are his mouth. We make up the body of Christ, and he has put us together, and we're gifted differently by the same spirit. It was Jesus who founded the church. And it's important to Jesus, it's important to us. It's Jesus who purchased the church with his own blood, Acts 20, 28. Jesus is said to be the head of the church, the Lord of the church, in Ephesians 5 and also in Colossians 1. Jesus is the head over this church, and he is the one building his church. He loves the church, Ephesians 5. He is the savior of the church, also in Ephesians 5. He died for the church. He purifies the church. All that is in Ephesians 5. He nourishes the church and cherishes the church. I'm telling you, the church is important. It is important to Jesus. It should be important to us. The church has been a major part of my life. And my love for the church started before I ever became a staff member at age 17. My love for the church started at a very young age. I remember getting ready for church as a boy growing up. We started on Saturday night. We got our shoes polished on Saturday night. We read our Sunday school lesson, studied our Sunday school lesson on Saturday night, and then we watched Gunsmoke. <clears throat> and then we went to bed. And, and we got our envelope ready to give on Saturday night. I had my own box of envelopes, and even as a child, I got a dollar a week allowance. And my father taught me that a tithe of a dollar was a dime. And so I so gladly got my dime every, every Saturday night, filled, filled out my envelope, put my dime in my envelope, stuck my envelope in my Bible, and I came to give my offering to the Lord. And to be a part, I could not wait to get to church. I got up early on Sunday mornings. As a, for a child, you know, I, nobody had to pull me out of bed. I, most of the time, I was the first one up on Saturday mornings at our house. Because I anticipated going to church. I was excited about going to church. I loved to sing the songs that we sang at church. I loved to study the Bible. I loved to hear the stories about Jesus I, I learn, I love to learn, I love to be with people. I love to be as a part of the church. And as I grew older, I enjoyed, even in Sunday school as a junior boy, I remember I would go with my Sunday school teacher to visit some boys that were on our roll that didn't come to church. We'd go to their home and we would visit them and invite them and encourage them to come to church. I remember when we got our first youth pastor, youth minister, he was just a summer youth minister here, Sidney Byler, back in the late 60s. And Sidney and I, and I don't know others, we would go out into the community and we would go to the homes of those who were teenagers and we would share the gospel with them. What an excitement that was. I wasn't very good at it, but I was willing to go and I was willing to learn. Then I remembered when I went on staff at South Highlands Baptist Church, 
I was at Eastern Hills through my freshman year of college, and then my, the summer, I think it was the summer after my freshman year, I was called by South Highlands to be minister of music and youth. And so I would go out, and Brother Helpman, who was our pastor, he taught us how to witness and how to share our faith. We had classes at our church, and I would take the study course, and then we would go out in teams. And I can remember the most thrilling thing was the first time I ever shared the gospel with someone and saw them come to faith in Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, that was a thrill, and it never ceases to be an equal thrill every time. Even two weeks ago, when I, after church service, right down here at the front, was able to uh, kneel with Jennifer, who's here this morning, made a profession of faith last Sunday, 33 years old, and to hear her pray and ask Christ to save her. That, was a, that is the most thrilling thing. I'm telling you, there's nothing that can top that. I don't care how many national championships Alabama wins. I don't care how many great football games there are or what other exciting things happen. I'm telling you, nothing takes the place of being able to help guide someone and the Lord use us to lead someone to faith in Jesus Christ. The Lord is building His church, and I can remember... Uh, in recent days, I've done some interviews for the, the two news stations and the newspaper. And, and uh, I was at a function out here at the park just uh, last week where they had an update on the tennis facility that's being built. And there were about, uh, I don't know, one or two, 100 or 200 people. A lot of folks were there. A lot of dignitaries were there. And I had a prayer on the program. And when, the, uh, when I was introduced by the mayor, he said, a lot of really nice things, and, and, but he was, he was telling me, you know, he was basically saying that I was the one that had built this church back, and I kept trying to say, no, it wasn't me. I said, it was the Lord, and, and many people have said that from time to time. I know they mean well. They don't mean, they don't mean it to come, back, come across the way it sounds to me, but I've always tried to gently remind them it's not me that has built Alberta Baptist Church back. It is the Lord. The Lord has enabled us to build these facilities, but I'm telling you, He is building His body here at Alberta Baptist Church. He is, he is renewing us. Remember when we went through our renovation program long before the tornado? That those many years that we were involved in that, and it was such a long struggle, and I kept saying we need to renew our facilities, but we need to renew our hearts. We need a transformation of the heart. And we are, we are seeing that happen in our body. We're seeing that happen in our fellowship. And it's, it's been gradually happening over a period of time, but I think now we're just seeing more of the fruit of our, of our church family. And, of course, the tornado forced us to get out of the walls of the church and get out in the community. When we lost our walls and when this building that stood on this property was in shambles, then we were out in the parking lot, and many of you are involved, and people give me credit for all that happened after the tornado, and I keep saying it wasn't me. Many faithful people were involved, and, and even involved more than I was because Brenda was sick, and I was a lot of my attention had to be toward her at times when you were here in the heat, out there working and serving meals and giving out things, uh, supplies, and praying with people. And so God's church was working together, and God has been building us. He is rebuilding us, and He is strengthening us, and He has placed us in a place to where we are looking for a bright future. Next Sunday, Open Door Baptist Church comes to merge with us. 
He too will come and be one of our pastors. Colby Moshe will be one of our pastors. We will have two pastors in this church. And it is going to be a wonderful time that these two, using the gifts that complement each other, men that are deeply committed to the Lord, who are committed to the Word of God, the preaching and teaching of God's Word, building up, making disciples, investing their lives in people. And so I can only begin to envision what is going to happen in the future through Alberta Baptist Church. God is building His church. And that's the first point, by the way, in the message uh, that you see in your outline this morning. Jesus builds His church. It's not the pastor who builds it. Yes, God can use a pastor. He can use a staff. He can use you. He can use the leaders that we have in our church. And He's using all of that. But let me tell you, it is God who is building His church. And then secondly, we see that Jesus preserves His church. Look what the Scripture says also in verse 18. I say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock, so it is, it is Peter and people just like Peter who, can, who confess the same thing about Jesus Christ. That's the people God uses to build his church. And the Bible says, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. You have the King James that says the gates of hell will not overpower it. Obviously, we know that the forces of Satan, the forces of evil, all the, the demonic powers, they cannot stop the church of Jesus Christ. Here, though, specifically, where he says the gates of Hades, Hades is used here as a euphemism for death. A euphemism is a word that sounds a little bit nicer than, than the word that you are substituting for. Hades is a euphemism for death. The worst thing that Satan can do to stop the church is the death of God's people. That is the worst thing that he can do. Yet death cannot overpower the church. The, we were listening to Dr. Jerry Rankin, former president of the IMB, who spoke here at our church at the annual social association meeting. He also spoke at a pastor's conference on, the, on Monday. And one of the things he shared with us was that what we see happening in the Middle East, the killing of believers, being beheaded, the killing of the children. There is a particular city. We've been asked to pray for the Wilsons who are missionaries at uh, one of the cities in the Middle East where the ISIS is going house to house of Christians and they are demanding that the children in that home deny their faith, renounce their faith in Jesus Christ and, and commit themselves to Allah. And to this point, the missionaries have said there is not a single household where the children have said no. And yet the parents then have to witness their children's heads being cut off. They're beheaded by the ISIS. And yet what Jerry Rankin told us was because of the, of the terror that's going on in the Middle East and because of the war and the killings and all the... Uh, the Christians that are being put in prison, he said that has not deterred the gospel. In fact, he said the people of that part of the world are now more open to the gospel than they've ever been before because they are looking to turn somewhere for hope in their lives. And God is using the worst thing we can imagine to be able to draw people to himself. So even death cannot stop the church of Jesus Christ. Even the beheading of the children of Christian families cannot stop the, the gospel from being spread and continued to, 
for people to come to know faith in Jesus Christ, place their faith in Christ. You think about all the places in the world where the gospel, they've tried to prohibit the gospel. They, they prohibit Christians from coming in. You're, you're not free to openly share the gospel. And, and Satan thinks that in that way he can stop the spread of Christianity. He can, he can somehow stop the church, but it hasn't worked. Dr. Rankin gave statistics of how the gospel is, is going forth in, in broader ways than ever before, even in these countries where you can't openly teach about Christ and preach about Christ. But in, in undercurrent ways, in, in undercover ways, they are able to penetrate the darkness. And so what the scripture is saying here, that Jesus preserves his church, the gates of hell, the gates of Hades, all of that together, and Satan is behind death, by the way. He's, Satan's behind it all, so whether it's Hades or hell, it will not overpower it. The kingdom of darkness will not overpower the kingdom of light. And here Jesus makes that promise. He preserves his church. We are a part of something that is invincible. The church of Jesus Christ is invincible. Nothing can stop the church. And the more the church is persecuted, the stronger the church becomes because because persecution purifies the church. It brings a purity. People can't ride the fence. When there is persecution, it strengthens the church because a pure church is a stronger church. And so it happened in the New Testament in the first century. First century Christians, they were persecuted. And yet the church prospered. The church grew. Today we are seeing uh, horrendous persecution. Christians not only martyred, but they're, they're in prison. The, their uh, wives and children are raped and and there are all kinds of crimes being committed against believers. And yet we see that the gospel is not hindered. The gospel is not stopped. The gospel continues to go forth. And this missionary couple, the Wilsons, they have chosen not to come home to the States. They have chosen to remain there and minister to these families that have seen their children killed. And that in and of itself is a great testimony to people about the, that this Jesus thing must really be real for someone to risk their own lives to be able to stay in a country for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the Christians, the believers there, and to try to minister and to use these opportunities to further the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus builds his church, Jesus preserves his church, and then thirdly we see Jesus empowers his church in verses 19 and 20. Jesus said, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. Your translation may not read exactly like that, but this is what that means. In the, in the original language, it's not that we can make something happen in heaven, but it's what heaven has already declared. We're able to set that loose here on earth. And Jesus is saying to the disciples, I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom. I've given you the gospel message to take to the world. You can open the kingdom. You preach the message. If people believe the message of Jesus Christ, then the kingdom is open for them. If they reject Jesus Christ, then they are, they are rejected from the kingdom. And so we are able to open and unlock the kingdom and to lock those. It depends on how a person comes to faith or whether they come to faith in Jesus Christ. 
What a privilege it is that Jesus empowers his church. He says in the Great Commission where we're going to make disciples, he says, as lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. He is with us. His spirit is empowering us. And so therefore, we can know that God has given us his spirit to live in us, the spirit of Jesus Christ, to give us boldness when, we're, when we face danger, when we face threats, when we face opposition, when we face criticism, when we face those that mock at Christianity and scoff at the Bible and deny that there is a God, that we can continue to proceed because we are empowered by God. His Holy Spirit indwells us and lives in us and gifts, gifts us. He gives us gifts to use our gifts in the work, doing the work of the church and the work of evangelism and the work of expanding the kingdom of God. He said, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will have been bound in heaven. We have the, the right to declare to a person that receives Christ that their sins are forgiven and that they have eternal life. And to the person that rejects Christ to say that you're bound in your sins and you will receive eternal judgment for your sins if you reject the way of salvation. So Christ builds his church, preserves his church, and he empowers his church. Now let me just conclude with this. I want to, I want to encourage you today to be faithful to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I jotted down a few things in my notes here. I want to encourage you, first of all, to be faithful in your devotion to Christ. Because if you are devoted to a church, but you're not devoted to the Christ who's the Lord of that church, then you've missed it. You, we need to have faithful devotion to Jesus Christ. That's why the Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, 1 Peter, rather, chapter 2, verse 9. I may have said it right. He says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We are called to proclaim the excellencies of Christ. We are Christ, God's own possession. We belong to him. And then in Titus chapter 2, verse 14. Titus chapter 2, verse 14. Notice what the scripture says. Very similar verse. And it reminds us how we are to keep, keep our devotion set upon Jesus Christ. 2.14 says in Titus, speaking about Jesus Christ, and it says, Who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for, for good deeds. So we are to be reminded that we are to purify ourselves. Christ is purified. He's redeemed us. He wants to purify us, a people for himself, for his own possession. So be faithful in your devotion for Christ, and then be faithful in your commitment to Christ's church. In Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, the Bible says that we're not to forsake the assembly of ourselves together, as a matter of some is. But we're to do it all the more as we see the day approaching. The nearer we get to the second coming of Christ, we, the more faithful and committed we're to continue to be to the Lord's church. And then be faithful to serve 
in Christ's work. Be faithful to serve. God has given every believer gifts to use in serving and doing the work of Christ. And then be faithful to give to the work of Christ's church. Be willing to give. Be a faithful steward of what God has given you. We are investing in eternal souls. We're investing in eternity when we give to the Lord. And then be faithful in your fellowship of the church leaders, the two pastors that will be leading this church. Be faithful to follow them and to let them lead and then support them and be a part of that, of going in the direction as they seek to lead. I just want to give, uh, Toby read one of the verses in Hebrews 13, verse 7, but I want to go a little further in that chapter to verse 17, where the Bible says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. So it says, church, obey your leaders. God has sent, has sent you two godly pastors to lead this church, and God is going to lead through those men. Listen to what they say and support and pray for them and let them lead and you be faithful followers. There are other verses that say something very similar. I'll just give you one other. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 12 and 13. But we request you, brethren, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord and give you instruction, and that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Live in peace with one another. So those that God has sent to you, you love them, and you let them lead, and you follow them. As long as they're leading you according to the word of God, and you've got two men that are going to do that, I guarantee you. They love God, and they love the Lord's church, and they will be godly leaders for our church. And so the future is bright. I feel like that as I step aside and let others lead, that I'm doing what God has called me to do. People have tried to ask me, are you sure this is what you should do? And I said, look, my body tells me it's time, my mind tells me it's time, and my heart tells me it's time. I know I have no second thoughts. I have no regrets. I believe that it's time for me to step aside and let others to lead this church. And I believe that, as Brother Spurgeon Davis said, the night, the, the afternoon that he went to heaven later that night, that the best is yet to come. Now, many of us in this room, we've seen some really glorious days of Alberta Baptist Church. Back in the 50s and 60s especially, we saw some of the heights of the church growth. But let me tell you, I don't know that it will ever match those numbers. It may exceed those numbers. I'm not really concerned about the numbers, but I know this. God is going to do great things through this body. If we will yield ourselves to him, if we will follow those godly leaders God has given us, and if we will keep our eyes on Jesus and keep our eyes on the mission fields that are white in the harvest, locally and around the world, we will see the Lord do great things in this city and in other places through this church. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word, and thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do in the years ahead. And I just pray, God, for this church. I pray, Lord, that you would use the people of Alberta Baptist Church to continue to have an impact for change, for good, for the gospel of Christ here in this city and in this county. Lord, I pray that you would magnify and multiply 
our fruitfulness. We pray, God, that we will lift your name high by our, our godly living and by the message that we give, Lord, that we would lift you up daily. Lord, I pray if there be anyone here today that is not a part of your church, they have not experienced a new birth, they've never repented of sin and asked Jesus to be Lord in their lives and be their Savior, that you would draw hearts to you today as we give our invitation. Lord, I pray for people to turn from the way of self and turn to the way of Christ. Lord, I pray you would transform hearts in the name of Jesus Christ. And Lord, if there are those here today that need a church home and you're leading them in their lives to be a part of this church, that they would respond to your call and come and make known their desire to unite their hearts and lives with us as we move forward in the future of Alberta. And I pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Let's stand together. I'll be at the front. We're going to sing a song of invitation, and we invite you to respond to what Christ says to you today as we sing.
be seated and we'll ask our deacons to come forward to receive the offering. And I'm also going to ask Brother Greg Rogers to come up to the front. And I'm going to ask you to do our benediction in just a few minutes when we uh, close out. And all of our guests are invited to stay. We've got lots of food over in the gym. We're going to have a, a meal together. And there will be uh, some things happening during our fellowship time over there that will be enjoyable. And so... Uh, all are invited to come, and we would lo love to have you stay for the meal immediately following the service today. There's nowhere in town you can go, no restaurant where you'll get a better food than what we're going to have today. So y'all just stay with us, okay? All right, who's going to lead us in prayer? Let's pray. Heavenly Father God, we are so thankful for this time that we've been able to be together. Thank you for all the visitors who are here with us today. I pray, God, that you bless them as they travel back to their homes. As we... Um, go to have a meal together. I pray that you would bless that food, God, and uh, strengthen our bodies so we can glorify you in our, in our lives. God, please take these offerings and tithes that we're about to give, and uh, hopefully they give them a joyful heart. I pray that you would use them, multiply them greatly for, for your work on this earth. In Jesus' name I pray. still be done while we're waiting for the promise of what is yet to come finish well every day that we are given finish well for the glory of his name finish strong Till the Savior finally calls us home. Give it everything we have. Finish well. There's no truth in saying we've seen our better days. These are the days to be courageous, bold and full of faith. So wherever he may lead us, whatever it may cost, let the church arise and lift the banner of the cross. Finish well every day. Savior finally calls. 
Greg Rogers, uh, pa- he was pastor of Texas Life Church when I came here, and they uh, down here on University Boulevard, and he told me they prayed for me long before I came, when he found out I was coming, and started praying for our church, and uh, they were doing ministry in the community. Their church relocated to Northport, and now they've merged with Graceway Baptist Church, but uh, he has made a big difference here in Tuscaloosa, and Greg, thank you and Pam for being here today, and we'll let you pray for them. I also get to pray for the food. Ready for that? All right. Lord, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for the hope that is in Jesus Christ. There's hope today for every person in here in Jesus Christ. There's hope in that he builds his church. There's hope that no matter where we've been in our past, God still looks at us and says, I love you and I have a plan for you. God, we thank you that that plan is a hope and a future for each and every one of us. We thank you, Father, for the food that we're about to eat. We ask blessings on it and Jesus, we invite you into that time of uh, meal. Uh, Lord, we ask that your presence would be there and the conversations would be uh, one that would bring honor and glory to you. So we thank you. We bless you. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that goes with us each and every day. And Lord, uh, as the last song said, Father, we pray that each and every day we've been encouraged to finish well. In Jesus' name. We are going to let our pastor and his guests from out of town go first. So if you want to go ahead and go out, and then we'll let our seniors go, and then the rest of you get it. There's plenty of food, plenty of food and fellowship there. Uh, we're going to have a good time down there, a couple presentations down there. So uh, we're going to let our pastors and our guests, if you'll go ahead and, and stand and go out. <laughs> 